listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can ask the ushers to come forward. Um, they have some Bibles, and if you didn't bring a Bible this morning or don't have one, please take one, and please take that Bible home with you. That would be our gift to you, to take God's Word and to read it and to study it and to uh, live by it. And as we do that, we are changed, we are transformed as we uh, rely on the Holy Spirit's power. And if you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3, this is where we're going to be working through uh, some verses here. We started this series last week on the subject of prayer, and uh, we're going to dig in a little bit more into this. But I wonder this morning, I want to just start out by asking you, do you ever go through the day or, or, or even maybe you're at the place even right now in your life in many ways where you just feel tapped out? You get up in the morning and things seem to be going well and you've maybe spent some time in the word of God. I trust that you are doing that and that's a regular discipline in your life. You've been in prayer. It's been a good morning. But then it begins. You listen to the news or you check the headlines online and and you see this world that is unraveling before our eyes. You see terrorism and threats of nuclear attacks. And uh, this past week in California, the family with 13 kids that that, um, just just imaginable um, situation that they went through, have been going through for years. And you just think, how can this happen? Or, Or literally, has it come to a place in our world where you have to tell people not to eat? tied pods like it's just crazy some of the things that are going on in our world and 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 so you head out the door and and you're off to school or work or to meet someone for coffee and you get cut off in traffic or you get behind one of those slow drivers and you say what do you mean these slow drivers maybe you're one of them and you're helping to drive other people crazy you know and 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 you get behind a slow driver and they drive you nuts and 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 then you know the first person you encounter is you're out on your day is that person who just absolutely just gets under your skin and is like, how am I going to deal with this? And it isn't very long into the day that you feel a lot of you coming out and not very much of the Holy Spirit power, not very much of the Spirit of Jesus. It's like this morning, kind of going through my regular Sunday morning routine, you kind of get into this routine of you do this, you don't do this, and, and, and I get up at a certain time and I continue to work through things, and, 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 and today things were going well, there was time in the Word of God and, and in prayer, and just, again, just reliance, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this, I need you, and, 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 and I'm going through this normal routine, I go to press print on my, uh, on my computer to print to the final draft for, for Discover Harvest, which I hope if you've never attended that you'd attend that today, but also for my sermon, and, and all of a sudden the printer is malfunctioning, it's not working, and I'm just like, my heart, you know how when you can start to feel your heart in your head kind of throbbing, it's just like, what's going on, what's happening here, and, and then wouldn't you know it, the cat, yes, we have a cat, and, and the cat starts meowing, like uncontrollably, like feed me, I'm hungry, I'm starving for attention, and next thing I'm like, would somebody deal with the cat for crying out loud, and uh, my family got to see much of me and not much of the spirit of Jesus in that. Do you ever have a day like that? Is it like welcome to my life? Or perhaps maybe the battle that you're facing is more on the inside. It's not so much that, that, that it's the stuff out there, it's the stuff in here. It's the temptation that continues to keep pulling you back in towards sin. 
You find yourself not just being tempted, but giving into that. Wrong influences in our life, whether through media, through friends, through relationships. Your thought life is going un at uncontrolled speeds in the wrong direction. Feelings of pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency or greed or, or anger or bitterness. And, and, and these things are going on in your head. And, and, and you can't help at times then to come to this church service or, or you think of the Lord, you think of the word of God and you say, where's the supernatural power? Where's the promises in God's word where we've heard and we've read and, 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 and people say this can be a, a, a realization in your life. Where are the streams of living water flowing out of my life of the spirit of Jesus as, as, as Jesus promised, as Jesus talked about in John chapter 7. I want people to see Jesus in me and instead they're seeing just a lot of me and it's not pretty. I mean, a life of power and victory, I mean, that, that sounds good and it preaches and, and preachers love to preach that and we love to say amen to it, but it's not a reality in my life. Sure, it was for the Apostle Paul and, and, and for the church in Ephesus, you know, maybe that's, the, you know, the people who he was writing this passage for, but immeasurably more, he's talking about power, he's talking about strength, is it really possible for me today, is it possible for you when you're sitting in your chair here this morning to know his power, his strength, his victory? In immeasurable ways. Is it possible or is it just... Amen. Amen. And that's where we're going to dig into today to see how we tap into that. What happens though when we hit the wall? We know there's more than what we're currently experiencing. And we can just... Although we can come to a service like this, we can hear the truths, we can know the truths, and in the end we just say, ah, I'm just going to keep settling. I'm just going to kind of keep going through the motions, let life happen, let life, life kind of live me. It's no plan to live your life. That's a plan for failure. That's a plan for disaster. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying for the church and he's praying for believers. He's praying this prayer for you and for me. And I like how one pastor put it that I, I, I read in my studies this past work. He says, this is a prayer. And folks, if we catch hold of this prayer, this is a one size fits all prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul is praying for power. He's praying for filling. He's praying for, for God's glory to be revealed in the lives of believers in the glory of the church. And this is a prayer that we can pray personally. I trust that this week, I pray that today, at the end of the service, you will pray this prayer personally for in your own life. It is a prayer we can pray for one another, whether that be people here in this room, people in our church, our families, our neighborhoods, our coworkers, our fellow, fellow students. This is a prayer that we can pray for that prodigal who is far off from God right now. And we can pray this prayer and God will start working in their life and, and God is, is desiring to do that work in their life and God is desiring for us to pray this prayer. This is a prayer for that person waking up in the valley here this morning in the Okanagan Valley for that person who's considering ending their life. Just thinking, what's the point? Why should I keep living? It's for the person waking up with that hangover and they're, oh, they had a good time last night. But they wake up today and think, there must be more. I'm so empty. It's for that person who just closed that big business deal and it's like, I've got it, I've got it. But if they were to be honest, they'd say, it's empty, it's empty. 
This is a prayer that we can pray when we find ourselves in situations where we have no clue, we don't know how to pray. When we're facing hurts, when we're facing decisions, when we're facing loss, this is a one-size-fits-all prayer. This is a prayer for the best things. This is a prayer for learning. This is how we can pray God's will. And last week, we, we looked at verses 14, 15, and 16 here in Ephesians 3 as it kind of starts into this prayer, and, and, and we talked about why we pray. We're not going to recap that. I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, to, to, to listen to it. It will help this message to even make further sense. But we did talk about, and we saw in God's word, how we have access to God the Father, the God of this universe, and he doesn't want us to come as, as, as the mighty king and judge and, and, and approach him in that way. He is all of those things, but he wants us to approach him as father, as coming as a child, coming to their father who is hurting. At times, you don't even know what to say. You may be hurt, and I think of your kids, of our kids when they're young, and, and, and they fall, and they hurt themselves, and you know they're hurting, and, and, and they're crying so much, and they can't even get the words out, and, 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 and you know right away, a father or mother just knows right away they're hurting, and they, you know what to say, and love them, and kiss them, and kiss the owie, or whatever it might be. That is the way that we can approach our God. That's the way he wants us to approach him as God the Father. And we have access to him. We have access to the king of the universe. Years ago when we pastored in Alberta, we had a large number of Canadian military personnel in our community and in our church, and, and uh, we thought we'd put on a special event uh, for our community and for these military personnel to really thank them, them and their families for the sacrifice, and, and it was a time that, that there was a lot going on with Afghanistan and some of those areas, and we were losing Canadian soldiers, and we wanted to have a time to be able to just thank and appreciate them, and so I kind of took a shot in the dark, and I contacted the Prime Minister's office and thought, hey, maybe Prime Minister Harper, who's the Prime Minister at that time, would, would come and, 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 and make a guest appearance and personally thank our troops and their families and the communities that support them and just kind of thought, hey, maybe he'd come and, you know, knowing probably it wouldn't happen, you know, but just, just thought I'd take a shot in the dark. Didn't hear for a few days. Uh, you know, never got a response. And then one day I came into my office and, you know, one of those little memo, little pieces of paper that used to use before you use all this other technology stuff. Now, uh, the receptionist who answered the phone at the church office filled out, filled out this little thing, and it had the date, and, and I tried to find it. I'm, I still have it somewhere, because it was kind of special. And it, and, and it said, you know, Pastor Meldon, Prime Minister Harper is sorry that he won't be able to attend your function. And when it said who was calling, it said the Prime Minister's office. And, 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 and it gave this nice little memo just saying, you know, he's unable to attend. And I looked at that and thought... The Prime Minister of Canada tried calling me. Well, his office did. But, you know, I, I, and, and, and I was so proud of that thing. And you know, I left it on my desk so that if any strangers, not that I had a lot of strangers coming into my church office desk you know, and seeing it, would say, oh, look at, you know, Prime Minister was trying to call Meldon. You know, and, 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 and just thinking, in, in a roundabout way, I had kind of some access to the Prime Minister of Canada. Prime Minister of Canada, yeah, that's something, you know, special. I mean, that, that, that's leading a country of 35 million people. Folks, we have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he says, come to me as Father. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me in prayer. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. We have all these promises in the Word of God, and he wants us to come to him in this way. When it comes to prayer, folks, we have immediate, ongoing access to the God of this universe and yet we struggle with prayer, don't we? We struggle, it's a battle. 
to pray personally, to pray with others, pride, um, self-conscious, and we become self, self-aware of, well, what if I can't pray this grandiose prayer? You know what? Grandiose prayers never thrill Jesus. They don't thrill God. It's coming as children, needy before him, and we bring our requests. And we struggle with prayer when we hear there's a prayer meeting, an opportunity to pray. We think, ah, oh, that's for someone else. That's for the prayer warriors. That's for the special people. No, it's for all people. It's for all who are hurting, all of us who need strength and power beyond ourselves. Love this quote that Robbie Simons from Oakville put on uh, Twitter this past week, and it is this. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. The devil doesn't want you praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but the devil trembles when we pray. And that's why we need to be praying. This is why this prayer is a bold prayer. This is a powerful prayer. This is a prayer not for my glory, my success. It is for God's glory and for his renown and for his will to be accomplished in our lives, personally, as a church, and throughout this world. This is why this is an important prayer for us to be praying. Prayer is where the power is. And this is a passage here, this prayer that we're going to be looking at here today is basically get low and get strong. Get low in humility before God. Get low in prayer. Come needy, come hurting, come hungry, come thirsty, come desperate, come joyful, come full of worship. As we get low before him, we get strong. Prayer is where we come near to God. This is where we are strengthened and this is where we are empowered This is how we tap into his power. This is where we find it. This is where we receive his power for our lives. And here we see Paul on his knees praying this prayer. And he's praying for dear friends. He's praying for the forward progress of the gospel in their lives and within the church then. And this is a prayer for us today. And so we're going to read this prayer here in Ephesians 3. And then we're going to work through it. And he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And by that point, as Paul is no doubt right in that, as he's coming to that, to that last phrase there about where it says, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm sure he's jumping up and down by this time. He's probably up from his knees and he's just declaring this and, and trusting that this what happened oh God make it so God I even pray even now that this verse would become a reality in our lives personally in our families in our church in our neighborhood in this Okanagan Valley in this nation that this is where the power is and you outline it in outline this for us in your word and may we receive your word here today may we hear it May we just not let it pass by, but may we take and apply it to our lives. May we live these truths and dig deeper and go deeper in prayer like we've never before individually and as a church. And thank you that when we do that, we can expect a measure will be more. And we can ask or imagine for your glory, not ours. 
May you make this so in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's how Paul is praying. We're going to break down this prayer. I trust you're going to write this down because I, I, trust, and I, I, I trust that the, these are going to be steps that you can take this prayer, this outline, and be able to pray this. And that this is what we're going to do on Wednesday night. I pray that we pack out the room at our church office on Wednesday night as we gather together as a church to worship Jesus, to pray together, to pray. We're going to practice. We're going to work through praying this prayer. We're going to apply what we're hearing today. You can do this on your own as, as you write this down, as you, as, as you work through this prayer on your own. And the first thing, how we pray this prayer in, in ways that we can just break this down easily, to be strengthened daily from, with power from the Holy Spirit. Look verse 16, it says, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And this is the prayer, God, would you strengthen me daily? God, I need your strength daily in my life. The only way that we can live the life God has provided and planned for us to live is in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not running harder, trying fat, running harder and faster and, and just trying to be better and, 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 and pump more iron. That's not how it's going to happen. Spiritual iron, that is. I don't know what that is exactly, but, you know, I, I, I mean, it, it's not in that way. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as Paul writes the book of Ephesians, we see that he's imprisoned. He's in a Roman prison. And the authorities are looking over him and he's getting ready to go to trial, which could end up in death. And Paul's ministry up until this point was full of incredible spiritual faithfulness and, 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 and incredible victories, but also incredible struggles as well as things that looked very much like defeat and discouragement. When was the last time that you were stoned and left for dead outside of a city because of your faith in Jesus Christ? Hasn't happened to any of us. I mean, some of us maybe at one time in our lives were mocked or ridiculed for your faith. I remember in elementary school, there's one girl who, who found out that, that, that our family was religious and she would just dig it in and dig it in. She, she nicknamed me clergy. You know, at grade eight grad, they even said, you know, what's, what are you going to become? You know, what, what, what is this person going to become? And most of them were funny and kind of sarcastic and they were for me. It was a pastor, you know, and, and, and they were just, you know, just, just relentless. I mean, that didn't compare to getting stoned. That didn't compare to having plots made upon your life. I don't think any of us have had that for the sake of Christ. Maybe you've had people who are angry at you and, and, and at times in anger have said, I just wish you would die, but there's been no plots made to, to try to kill you. That happened for Paul for the sake of the gospel. This was a point where he could have been very angry, very frustrated with God. Uh, he can't be with his friends. He can't be with his church family, whether that would be here in Ephesus, this, these people who he loved so much. He, had, he didn't break any laws, and yet he's been punished like a criminal. He could die for all he knows. This was a position, this was a place where it's so easy Easily, he could have been broken and angry and lonely and a grumpy old man. But instead of that, feeling sorry for himself, we see while he's writing, he's having the time of his life. No, he can't go out and preach like he used to, but he can write. And he can talk to the jailers. He can talk to the Roman guards. And, and he did. We find out that he did do that kind of thing. And, 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 and each one of them got to hear the gospel. He's having the time of his life while he's in prison. He's praying powerful prayers. He's praying these prayers for fellow believers. And he's praying that now for his fellow believers that this power, this strength, this victory would be an ongoing reality in their life. It would be an ongoing reality in our lives. This enabled him 
to live this life of prayer and prayer in this way, to be able to find a strength and to find a joy despite his circumstances. And Paul knew that the key to this strength, to be able to rise above his circumstance, was the effective work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Look what it says in verse 16. It says that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, we try at the start of the day and throughout our lives, we try to power up and, and, and you know, whether maybe some people do this little, you know, kind of self-talk kind of thing or strength training and, and, and for these kind of things to, to be, you know, kind of a cut above and to be, have a powerful and a, and, and a strength-filled day, we, we, we try different things of certain disciplines or, or exercise or diet or coffee or, 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 or exercise, you know, or education is another thing or we try vitamins and, and, and we find if we take vitamins or other supplements or other practices, we can kind of power through our day and we can get through it and we can have some strength and we can have some resolve and some energy mentally and physically and all of these different things are going on. Lately, Nate has got, our son Nate has got us uh, making some smoothies on some mornings throughout the week. And, and this smoothie that I got to enjoy one day as he was driving me, chauffeuring me to his school as he has his L right now and is working to get his N. Um, this is called the Western Canadian smoothie that we made this morning and, and uh, on this morning, uh, one day this past week. It, it contained blueberries from the coast sour cherries from Saskatchewan, raspberries from our backyard, honey from the Anderson Farms here in Kelowna, flax from my uncle's farm in Saskatchewan. Yes, flax, it helps to keep, keep your coat nice and shiny and smooth, you know, and, and, and as well as a number of others, some yogurt and some ice and, and, and a number of other kind of items in there, some carrots, you know, and, and so this was the Western Canadian and, and you know, you have one of these daily and it's gonna pull you through, it's gonna give you strength, yeah, this may be good for you, but it's not the best. It's not the best thing to give us the power, the strength, that we energy. And yet, we've put so much into these kind of substitutes. They're good, they have their place, but they're not the ultimate. When was the last time that you prayed first thing in the morning, oh, oh Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me anew and afresh today? This is a promised reality for us to be able to live in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, in Luke 11, he says these words in Luke 11. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is available for us upon asking on a daily basis. That's why a little later on when Paul gives the practical application to the first three chapters here of the book and he, he talks how to live out in the power of the Holy Spirit and how to live out this way. In Ephesians 5.18, this is why he declares and he says, you know, don't be filled with wine. That's going to lead to debauchery. Don't fill yourself with other substitutes. It, 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 it's not going to go anywhere. Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit and the way that that is written in the Greek, this is an ongoing, a constant. Be filled. Keep being, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Love the way John Piper said this. He said, it is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit that we find great joy in God. There is power in this joy to battle sin, sin in our lives and to give us a bold witness for Christ. You see, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is essential to the life of the believer. 
And the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the person at the point of salvation. When we receive Jesus Christ, he comes in and he takes residence in our lives. Ephesians 1.13, I believe we even read this last week. It says, in him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, the third third person of the Trinity is the one who seals our salvation, is the down payment of our salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who, in John chapter 16, writes that, that he's the one that, and I encourage you to write down these verses that you see here, convicts us and convicts the world of sin. Maybe you want to snap a picture of it because these are some important verses that encourage you to dig into a primer on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, these verses teach us, are the one to teach us to turn from sin and, and to place our trust and our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. He's the initiator of salvation. He's the one who deposits the inheritance of salvation within in our lives. Titus 3 verses 1 to 8 talks about how the Holy Spirit is the one that regenerates us and dwells us with the Spirit of Jesus. John 14, 15, and 16. Again, we see nuggets of gold teaching us about the Holy Spirit, how he's our helper, our comforter, our strength, how he guides us to truth of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, how the Holy Spirit illuminates, helps us to understand Scripture, that, that you can take a natural person, a natural man, a natural woman, meaning that they don't know Christ yet, that, that they're they're living without Christ and they look at the word of God and it's like reading another language. You take somebody who has the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Christ helps us to illuminate and to understand the word of God and for it to make sense and for us to be able to grow in the truth of the word of God in our lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And yet we also see that, that as he guides and directs, the Holy Spirit also glorifies Jesus the Holy Spirit isn't the prominent spirit. He's the Holy Spirit and he is one that gives the glory to Jesus. He's there to glorify the Son. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, we see that the Holy Spirit gives gifts for us to use. He gives us a, a certain gift or ability or a talent to be able to be used, not on ourselves, but to be used for the body of Christ in sacrificial service. Are you living out the the spiritual gifts that you have been given in Jesus Christ. Are you living that out? This is how we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet 1 Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians 4, we see that we are told that we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we, and, and we do this through pursuing sin. Allowing sin to reign in our lives. When we do what we know is wrong. And we persist in our sin rather than confess our sin, rather than run from it, rather than getting help from it. We just go into it. We think it's not that big of a deal. And Ephesians 4 gives us some of the ways that we do this. By lying, by being angry and holding on to our anger, by stealing, by cursing, by being bitter, by being unforgiving, by being sexually immoral. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to act out in a sinful matter, matter in our lives, whether it's through thought or whether it's through action. And when we do this, the Holy Spirit's power is quenched. It's grieved in our hearts. But when we obey the Holy Spirit, when we obey the word of God, when we have victory, when there's obedience, when we say yes to him and so say yes and say no to our flesh or say no to the worldly passions that are around us and the temptation, and we say yes to the Spirit, it's like building spiritual muscle. Day in, day out, as this happens, you become stronger and, 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 and able to withstand more of the, the pressure and the tensions that come our way. 
You see, sin decreases our strength. It saps our strength. It, it wipes out our joy. But when we pursue obedience in the Holy Spirit, we're strengthened in the inner man. This is where the strength, the inner woman, the inner, inner being of our soul. Again, when was the last time you were fi- asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit where you came before the Lord and said, would you fill me anew and afresh today? I can't do this on my own. May the Spirit of Jesus be real and active in my life today. We need to be doing this daily. We need to be praying this personally for ourselves. We need to be that we would be clothed daily from power, with power from on high, that we would have fresh power of daily and hourly in our life. It's not just something we pray at the beginning of the day. It's something we pray throughout the day. We can be praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of those around us, to to convict the, the person who is far off from God, to strengthen those who are being weakened right now by what they're going through in life. This is a powerful pray we prayer that we pray for ourselves as well as for others. We can pray this for those who are far off, those who are running away, running in the opposite direction from God, that the Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin, that they would love the truth of the Word of God and not run from it, and that the Holy Spirit would draw them to repentance. Perhaps it's out of circumstance. Maybe it's out of the kindness of, uh, of God that all of a sudden they just are overwhelmed with the kindness and the goodness of God. I think of Pastor Jim Simbola from the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York telling the story of how when their daughter was a teenager, she was living a rebellious life. She was living far out far out, just destroying her life, far away from God and grieve the, grieve the parents and one night at one of their weekly prayer nights, and they're at their, their church, people line up an hour, two hours early to get into the prayer meeting midweek. Why? Because they've discovered that's where the power is. I believe they even get more people that attend the midweek prayer, prayer meeting than they do even on Sundays where they get to hear the glorious Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. No, people are coming for prayer. And one night as they gathered together to seek the Lord, someone in the congregation was moved to go to the mic and say, we need to pray for our pastor's daughter. And he said that room was turned into like a labor and delivery room of people just calling out to God for for God to work by the power of his Holy Spirit in the life of their daughter. A few days later, their daughter showed up at home, broken, repentive. And then she said to her dad, he said, And I'll never forget him telling this story. Who was praying? Wednesday night, who was praying for me? Who was praying for me on Wednesday night? And he says the entire church was joined together praying that you would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and know the love of God in your life in a new way, in a fresh way. Today, her and her husband are serving the Lord at a Brooklyn Tabernacle in Chicago. What God has done, what God will do as we pray this prayer. Oh God, would would your Holy Spirit be set free to work in my life, convicting me of sin, strengthening me, empowering me. May this be a prayer that we pray for those around us that we would know that those around us would know the kindness and the goodness of God, especially those who have been hurt by the church or have been hurt by religion, that they would see God as a good father, that that those who are running away would see how they're destroying their life, but that the Father is there ready to welcome them back and to strengthen and to bring new life and to bring cleansing. This is a powerful prayer. Oh, would we pray daily for the power of the Holy Spirit for ourselves and for others. Second of all, I encourage you to write this down, to increasingly know the love of Christ. 
verses 17 and 19, the first part of verse 19. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Here's the prayer that we would pray increasingly to know the love of Christ. That word know isn't just the word knowledge. It's just not head smart. It's just not knowledge from a book or something we've read or what we've heard. It is verse 19 there, underline that word know. It, it means knowledge by experience, knowledge through experience, that we would know the love of Christ deeply in our lives daily. That this would be a deepening thing in our lives a love that surpasses knowledge. Now, now, that doesn't mean this is contrary to the word of God or above the truth of the word of God because you can't get anything higher than that. But this is meaning that the scripture, that the truth of, of the love of God would just be exploding in our minds, in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions, that we would just know this love in an increasing way in our lives, the truths of scripture exploding in our hearts. How do we get this knowledge? It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It happens as we walk by faith. We're saved by faith. We are saved by God's grace through an act of faith. And this happens as we walk by faith as in our a growing knowledge of the love of Christ. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul is not thinking that these people do not have the Holy Spirit when he says that he may dwell in your hearts. He, he's writing to people who are already saved. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who have repented from, of their sins and have turned away from a sinful life the best that they can and, 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 and living a repentive life. They've given their hearts over to Jesus Christ. They've trusted in the finished work of Christ alone for their salvation. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, we've already said, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our lives. And here we see the word dwell, which means to give him though an all-access pass to our lives. He's just not allowed in the front door of our lives. He isn't allowed in, in the main entrance or just into certain rooms. He has an all-out pass to every part of our lives, to every room in the house, so to speak. Dwell, this word means to abide, to be able to make himself at home. It means there's no areas off limits. True confession a number of years ago, I was staying at someone's house as I was away on a ministry trip and, and it was a beautiful house. They had performed quite a few renovations and, and as we walked down the hallway, there was one room that was locked and they said, no one goes in here. And, and uh, I was showing the room that I would stay in and, and uh, so it made me, of course, what? Curious? Like, what is in that room? Like, you know, is there some, you know, weird relative locked up in there? You know, no, I knew that wasn't the case, but, you know, you just kind of think, what is in this room? What is going on there in that room? And and, um, you know, it was off limits and I was there for a couple days and then, and I even noticed that, okay, I tried, the, the door was locked. And I'm like, they don't want anyone in that room for whatever reason. But one morning, they took off before I left and that room, that door was open a little crack. So I opened it a little bit more of a crack just so I could have, do you ever do that? Do you ever get curious on that kind of thing? And I looked. And it was a mess. There was stuff piled up all over the place and indeed they, they wanted that door. They didn't want their guests. They didn't want, maybe they didn't even want to themselves be reminded of what's in the room and the work that it would take to get that thing cleaned up. You know what? The truth of the matter, we probably all have those 
closets, those rooms, those drawers in our home. But you know what? Even more than that, we have those in our hearts, in our lives. In order for us to know the power of God in our lives, it requires that we give Jesus an all-access pass to our lives for him to be able to dwell, to dwell deep, nothing hidden, nothing off limits, everything he has access to. He's allowed access to the boxes of bitterness that we're holding on to and unforgiveness, the jars of lust that are hidden back in the pantry somewhere, the closets that are filled with pride, even those areas in the back of the drawer that we might call our guilty pleasures. You see, sin leaves our souls in disrepair, devalues and destroys the property that God has made, that he's invested in our lives, and it leaves a destructive mess, and it causes us to hide and to cover up. And we, as we allow his love, the power of Christ to be applied to our lives as we grow in this knowledge of him, and it is applied, the knowledge of his love is applied and can go into every closet, every box, every jar, every aspect of our lives. It's all for him to be able to dwell and for him to be able to restore, for him to be able to help us to, to, to transform, to chuck out, to get rid of, to walk through difficult things and, and, and sort through the messes of the past. We can have these boxes in our closets and we need to get them out. And we need others at times. We, we, we pray, but we need others to, to walk with us, to hold us accountable. As you're going to see, this is a glory that happens within the life of the church. And it goes on to say, and that we would allow the power of Christ to be applied to every area as we confess those areas as sin. We repent, we get help. And, and it says, comprehend with all the saints. There we see it speaks of community as we gather together for worship as we remind one another this morning as we were reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel as we're worshiping together in our gather time we do this in our group time as we share and study and we walk with one another in prayer and encouragement and challenge of the word of God Verse 17, it goes on to say that our lives would be rooted and grounded in love. The rooted, that's an agricultural term. Grounded is an architectural term. And, and we see the Apostle Paul using them together because what he's wanting to get through the minds of the people here is talking about deep roots. You need deep roots, a deep foundation. This speaks of strength and stability that can survive the storms and the difficulties that will come. That the love of Christ would be the strength and the bedrock of our lives. That we would know that no matter what, no matter what we have done, no matter what we are currently even doing, no matter the struggle, the fear, the pain, that we would know that we are loved with an everlasting love. That there is a love that ex extends in all directions. Look what he says, the breadth and length and the height and the depth, the breadth and length, this is the love that can reach anyone. From eternity to eternity. But then it talks about the height and the depth. This is from the pit of sin into the presence of God. Goes his love. That is the love that is for us to be able to experience and to know. Not just up here but in our lives and take and apply this. Folks, listen to this. You got to listen. This is a, this is no trite statement. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. 
He loves you. He's crazy about you. He desires to transform your life. He desires to give you strength and power through his spirit, through his Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of Jesus. For your life to have deep roots and a deep foundation so that when the storms and the trials and the testings come, you're able to stand. Not just stand with stability, but be useful. There's fruitfulness coming that when the roots go deep, the fruit is able to set. This is the love that we are to experience and we can know. He loves us. Don't let the words that Jesus loves you just kind of be dismissed as a a song that children sing. Jesus loves me. This, Yeah, I know that. No, we got to let this truth settle deep in our lives. Yet so oftentimes we doubt his love for us, don't we? At times we think, how could he love someone like me? A sinner filled with, with great sin or from my past or the sins that continue to stumble and fall. And yet he loves us. We doubt his love at times when we go through a season of suffering. We disbelieve it when we're walking in sin. We might disregard his love because it just sounds trite from a kid's song. Don't dismiss the truth, folks, but receive it that he loves you. We may think we're failures. Those around us may call us failures and good for nothing. Not Jesus. We are chosen children of the most high God, heirs with Jesus, joint heirs with Jesus. Now we can experience human love on this earth, but in every situation, all human love is flawed in one degree or another, no matter how immense or how amazing that love might be. Remember when Charlotte and I were, uh, I was a single youth pastor in Saskatoon. I was a youth young adults pastor and, and I had my eye on her, but I was chicken. I wasn't, you know, ready to kind of, you know, make too many advancements or interests because of, you know, just whatever, uh, fear. And uh, we were at a Christmas banquet together, a young adult Christmas banquet. We were sitting around the table and there was a group of us and a lot of laughter and different things. And one of the things that came up, me being a single bachelor and having my, my mother outfitted my apartment with all these, you know, different items in that one thing I kind of complained my mom forgot about was you know was a potato masher and you know if it could be one of those electric ones you know which don't exist but I thought you know if there was an electric table masher that would be really cool if I could have one of those it'd be really helpful to have well a few days later in my church office on my desk was a potato masher a cheap kind of like dollar store one, but it had a little battery attached to it. And it said, Merry Christmas or something. And I looked at that and I thought, who did that? I wonder if it was Charlotte. I wonder if it was Charlotte Matiko. Oh, that would be so cool if it was. But then how do I do handwriting analysis? Oh, I found a way because she was a Sunday school in the junior high department and I went and I found some of the records in the church basement of things that she had filled out. And I did this nice little comparison and I was able to determine... She loves me, you know, like, I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, believe it or not, I'm what my senior pastor was wondering, what is going on with this guy, you know, and it's just like, she gave me a potato masher, this is love, you know, and uh, well, it was the start of love, and it was the start of a relationship that has led to a lot of years of love, and yet, no matter how much I love her and how much she loves me, it's still is a a love that fails at times. There's times I'm selfish. 
There's times I get frustrated, I get quiet, I get angry. It's not a perfect love. And yet, the love that Christ has for us is an everlasting love. God's word tells us, and he proved that love by dying on the cross for us. There is nothing more important, folks, as knowing that Jesus loves you, that Jesus loves all people no matter what. And to have Christ in us and knowing that nothing can separate us from his love, folks, I pray that this would be our prayer, that we would increasingly know the love of Christ, that through when the challenges and the difficulties come, and they're sure to come our way. Paul wants us to understand and God wants us to understand that's why it's in the word of God that we are loved by God. And we are reminded of these truths and and these realities as we study and as we read the word of God. That's why that assignment, I trust you did it and I trust if you didn't do it, you would do it this week of reading the first three chapters of Ephesians and just seeing all that God has done for us in Christ. We've been adopted, redeemed, forgiven. Christ has died on our behalf. We've been indwelt, sealed by the Holy Spirit, brought forth from death to life, raised up with Christ seated with Christ, part of his church family, part of his eternal family in heaven one day. We're part of his church. And so this is why we need to pray personally and we need to pray for one another that we would know the love of Christ in an increasing way. It will give us the strength and the confidence and when we fail to know that he still loves us and he hasn't given up on us and and, and we can pray this prayer for others who are walking around with the same kind of confusion and hurt. And he said, and that we would know the heights and the depths and the length. What does that just describe right there? That's the cross that reaches out to all, that went down to the pit of hell, up to the glories of heaven. That's his love for you and for me. Oh, that we would be increasing in our love and our knowledge of the word of God when it comes to his love for us. And then thirdly, to be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, It says here in verse 19 that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, does this, this does not mean that all of the fullness of God is in you. It means that the essence of his glory is it's it's him filling our lives. And, 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 And there's no way we can contain all of the fullness of God. It's just impossible. Yesterday, I, I, I stopped and, and filled up this jar with some uh, Okanagan lake water. I think we have a picture of that. And uh, it was a little difficult to get this without getting my feet wet, but was able to fill this up with some, some water from, and now this jar is absolutely completely full of water. Like, I mean, it's, it's right there. It's full. Now, is this all of Okanagan Lake here? Nope. There is still a lot there, isn't there? There's still a lot of fullness there. Now, I'm, this jar, if this represents me, this is full of Okanagan Lake water. But this doesn't contain all of Okanagan Lake. And, and in the same way, our lives cannot contain the fullness of God. And yet the great thing about our souls, about our lives, they're not like this jar. They're a- actually kind of like elasticy, that they actually can stretch. And the more of his fullness that we put in, the more we can stretch. It's kind of like your stomach on Christmas. You know, it just keeps stretching, yeah. But this is, we can have our our lives filled to the fullness of God, that the fullness of God would be realized in our lives. And, and yet so oftentimes we find ourselves full of ourselves, don't we? Our wants, our needs, our pride, our ego, our plans, what God or what others 
think of me, what I want God to do for me. And Paul is praying, oh, that all the fullness of God would be in the lives of believers, that we would care about what others, care about what he cares about. We would want what he would want. That's how we, we end up filling this jar full of his fullness, of his goodness, of his glory. We're not just simply, folks, we're not here praying for circumstances to be changed because we could pray forever for circumstance after circumstance. And it's important to pray for circumstance. But more than that, we're praying for a transformed life that is filled with the fullness of God. God's power is available to change you, not just to keep going through the motions, not just to continue to keep struggling, but to change and to strengthen as we yield to him, as, as, as we're willing and available for, for, to join the work that he's wanting to do in our lives. And the fourth way that we pray here is we pray with great expectation and for God's glory. Paul is now saying that when you pray with the sincerity like we have seen here today that we'd be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit when we pray that for ourselves, for others, that we would know ourselves and others, that know the love of Christ and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God, that daily we would be filled with the fullness of God and his understanding, what his plan, what his desires are for us through the day and for our lives. And then finally here we pray on this fourth one, do you have that? with great expectation and for God's glory. With great expectation and for God's glory to be revealed in our lives, in the church. And when we are praying this for ourselves and for one another, then we get to see the power of God at work. That God can and will exceed all that we can ask for. Look at this in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Folks, this is where the power comes from. And God is able to work in us and through us. Not for our glory. Not so people say, oh, look at him. Look at that person. Look at how, how they've been changed and transformed. It's like, look what God has done in that person's life. Look at the transformation. And we give glory to God. I'm going to ask the people who were given jars this morning, some of you were given jars, just to come in with your jar and just make yourself, uh, j- just come up kind of behind this table, not in front of this table. I- if you would just come at this time and, and come quickly and uh, just come and stand here with your jar and uh, encourage you to um, just come and when, once you get up here, if you could take the lid off your jar, that would be really, really helpful. You see, powerful lives are prayed. It's just water, Ron, don't worry. There's nothing, nothing too scary in there. So, so, so just water that's been placed in here. Kind of, you, know, you can even kind of form a, a second line in here or whatever. Just, you know, thank you for coming and helping in this way. But, but folks, this is just a reminder that that when we are desiring to live out these truths, these realities in our lives, that daily we are drawing power and strength from the Holy Spirit and that our lives would be full, that we are, are going deep in the understanding of God's love for us demonstrated for us in Christ. And we are wanting daily to be filled with the fullness of God. Yet look at all of these jars. They're kind of empty, aren't they? 
They need some help. And so in here, we have some help. And so, you know what? We, you know, as we are in God's word, as we say, yes, there, Sandy, you're pretty full. Put your lid on, Keith. Let's fill you up here. As we gather together with one another for prayer, for worship is a way that we're able to, to in a sense, be filled with all the fullness of God as we're yielding in obedience to his word. When we are saying no to areas of sin, when we're walking in accountability, getting help for those areas. Tim, you need a top up. You're pretty dry here, man. You you know, and, and, and this is just one of the glories. Now, I don't have time or I don't have enough water because I have only an endless supply, but our God, he is an endless, I don't have an endless supply, but our God does have an endless supply to fill us to all the fullness of God. And one of the great things now, if you can just all take in, and even some of them still will need to be filled and, and uh, we'll accomplish that maybe later. You can just take your jars and just place them on here. And just kind of place them together because now when you have a group of people who are together in living out these truths, these realities in, in their lives and they're in community, we're in the body of Christ, there's strength, there's power, there's, there's something that is emanating from us as we worship the Lord, as we are united together. And then after you're done that, you can go and have a seat, and I want to thank you for that. If you want to keep the jar, I'll sell it to you afterwards, or you have to talk to my wife, because she needs to put some canning items in there uh, later on this year, Lord willing. But when we take and we pray this prayer to be filled daily, hourly in our lives, and that we would just grow in the depth and the knowledge and the understanding of God's love for us no matter what. And we desire to be filled with his purposes, his priorities. And when we gather like this, when we gather on Wednesday night, it's not just for the prayer warriors, it's for the wounded, it's for the weary, it's coming by faith to pray bold prayers. As we meet in groups, as we remind one another, teach one another from the word of God, walk with one another, as we... As we there's a power and a strength to face the temptation that we're facing. There's opportunities for us to share the gospel and, and, and God's power, his words are then flowing in us and then it can flow through us to touch the lives of others. And it's to God be the glory. What does that word glory mean? We see that to, to him be the glory, to God be the glory. That means beauty, magnificence, radiance, prominence, preeminence, splendor, purity, holiness. And when we live this way, when we pray like this, when we live for his glory, there's going to be a joy because this is living our lives according to God's purposes. This is how we've been, this is how we are designed to live our lives. And when we are doing that, the byproduct is joy. It's his strength. When we're living for his glory, not our own. And these are the issues that need to be settled in our lives these are the prayers that need to be prayed in order for us to experience his power and his strength daily. I'm going to ask the worship band to come at this time and let's bow our heads together in prayer. I'm just going to leave those four points up on the screen even right now. And if you could just encourage you to spend some time even praying this prayer. And I wonder today, are there areas in your life that you need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. There's areas of sin that need to be confessed, areas you need to walk away from, you need to run away from, you need to get help to, to, to have others walking with you and holding you accountable in. Would you make this a personal prayer in your own life? The man is just gonna be leading us in a few songs as we 
close out our time here this morning and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about areas in your life. Holy Spirit, I pray even now that you would teach us, you would convict us, you would encourage us, you would strengthen, you would embolden us as we are yielded before you, as we ask you to search our hearts. We can't live this life. We can't live a life of victory and power and strength. It can be our own muscle and cleverness that can build businesses, that can acquire wealth, and it can be strong and healthy bodies that can do all kinds of physical activities and different achievements that we can come up with, but the power of a transformed life, it comes only from you. It's, we can't, but you can. So Holy Spirit, I pray even now that you would be very real in our hearts here today for those that know you, for those that don't know you. I, I pray there would be conviction that today would be the day of their salvation. They would stop running and they would turn to you. And that we would then take and pray this prayer for those around us, for our church, for our city, for this region, for our nation, Lord, for all those who are far off to come near.